0: Hello, and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N production. That's right. We're a family of creatives making stuff together. My name is Mike, and today you have the pleasure of having me as your overlord host. (laughs) I am joined by some wonderful people today. Some some American sports loving people. Missy?
1: (laughs) Not the label I would give myself.
2: Tommy? I can't. Oh, I guess I can't say the word. Yeah, that's my introduction. <laughs>
0: and our specialist of sports-loving guests, Liam. Yo. Yeah. Sorry, so we're a family of creatives and blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, Amy is not going to be joining us today. She decided that watching the Super Bowl was so much more important than spending time with her family. So we are very, very sad that that happened. Yeah. Anyway, how's everybody yeah, doing this week?
2: Sucks. I'm doing good. It was a nice week in the good old classic NC Doing actual farm work in not 30 degree weather was awesome. Having beautiful blue skies and it wasn't raining, I was like, yeah, boy, life's great right now, but it's going to rain next week. So, you know, I, I guess
0: I enjoy it while I last. Yeah, it was in the 50s yesterday and today here in Idaho, and it's going to be back down to snowing tomorrow night. So it was like <laughs> spring was almost here and almost ready. And then I was like, nah, I'm just kidding. It's that little tease where.
1: You hate it. Yeah. it is 30s and raining in Maryland.
0: Ooh, this is the National Weather Report.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you for tuning in. Yeah. Well past the time of its usefulness. Liam, how's your week? It was all right. I went to school. Uh with friends. How about you, Tommy?
2: What kind? said how my week was going, but I also did get glasses this week, so that was great. Right after work. Got two new pairs, because I'm leeching off my parents' insurance, and it's great. Till you're 25, and then life goes
0: downhill.
2: And I'm like, no, 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 how do I reverse time?
0: <laughs> the age-old question <laughs> of how to not age. I don't want to go past 26. This week, I got a new home, Yay. so that was Ooh. cool.
2: Anyway. You sound like
0: Liam now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I got I. Oh. What else a I do? New home. I started playing the Metroid Prime Remaster, which is pretty fun. I remember not liking it when it came out on GameCube because it didn't have a dual joystick for a shooter. It was a very weird movement control, and I hated it. And now it's got the dual joystick, so it's pretty fun. Never played it. Amy, how are you doing?
1: I'm not actually on this podcast, but everyone should know. Hey? Mike smells like three week old oh. cabbage. Oh, that's right.
2: <laughs> you know it's actually scary though. Depending on when she edits this. Is that she could insert anything there?
1: That's right, Tommy. You don't know the power that I wield. Oh, Ooh, and we have it's...
0: no control. That's that's <laughs> true. And she probably didn't think of that until.
1: No, I definitely did think of that. Yeah, I was just that. about right. to say, way to screw but it that's up, Tommy. Be more
0: interesting for <laughs> <than> the audience. <laughs> yeah, uh... having an additional voice. Missy, anything exciting happen going on with you?
1: It's just been a nightmare of work time for six weeks, so yeah. All I do is work every single day. Work, work, work. The last break I had was Christmas.
0: So Have you ever thought about rising up and seizing the means of production?
1: I mean, I'm an accountant, so all I produce (laughs) is spreadsheets. I, I don't know how that would work
2: but pretty damn good spreadsheets. Hell so, yeah, I do. I don't know. I feel like you could take over. Uh, okay, how much can you get done with a spreadsheet? I see this is the real question. You can get My a lot whole done with
1: life is on spreadsheets, Tommy.
2: This is what I'm saying. So why not rise the ranks by a spreadsheet?
0: Overthrow your overlords with a spreadsheet? Yes.
1: So real. all I would need to do is put all of the people above me their names and titles onto a spreadsheet ranking them in order of like seniority or who has responsibility over who else and then I just take the boxes where my names fall and my title and just move it to the top that's what you're saying
2: you made it sound so much more simple
1: select I mean it's super easy I just don't know from an application standpoint. No, you don't even need to sort, Mike. You literally just click on the boxes and if you hover in just the right way, the cursor turns oh, into man. four arrows and then you <laughs> drag it and drop it wherever you want. Yeah, but
0: that that's more of copy and paste, uh, you know. Nope, it's just not or, copy sorry, paste. cut and paste technically. It's not a cut and paste. It's a it's a visual cut and paste. I think that we need to anyway. It's a drag and drop. So this week what I wanted to talk about <laughs>
1: I can talk about spreadsheets all day every day so do not get me started.
2: It, it kind of sounds like if you get deleted in the spreadsheet you get deleted in real life.
0: I'm, Shh. I'm a, okay, my sorry. might be listening. <laughs> of course. Of course. So this week I wanted to talk about something that was kind of on my mind and this is a really dumb idea it's not fleshed out and I hope you can all flesh it out with me and get it all fleshy all over the place. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. I got some skin to give. We we talk about a lot of different mediums that artistic creation happens in and each medium seems to be beneficial in a specific area. And this idea kind of came for me from watching The Last of Us TV show because it is a really nice crossover of what you would typically assume would be a video game artistic medium. And it seems to work incredibly well as a TV show artistic medium as well i think that each thing that you create something on has a really awesome benefit for it. And it's hard to transition from one uh, medium to another. So for most instances, it's hard to make a video game into a TV or a a movie because you're used to playing video games and having actions with the characters. Whereas if you are using a book and transitioning it into a TV show or movie, it's a lot easier because you're usually reading from a single perspective. So I kind of want to just think about the different... If, if you wanted to create a piece of art, think about what medium you could do to tell unique stories and kind of just discuss it.
1: Does it sound good? Sound bad? Amy? Sure. Help? Editor, You're on your own, buddy boy.
2: <laughs> Lucky you looked up there.
1: I would start by saying that you can enjoy two distinctly different mediums and really hate when those mediums get crossed over. For example, for me, I could watch TV from sunup to sundown or Streaming or movies, whatever, right? I also really enjoy playing video games, even though I'm terrible at them. But one thing I absolutely hate in video games are cutscenes. I'm here to to play a game, not watch your movie. If I want to watch a movie, I wouldn't have bought your game. Like, I I really like when those two things are separate. And that's a personal preference. A lot of people really enjoy it. But I just, I don't know, I get in a certain mindset of what it is that I want to get out of a certain medium. And when that is different, I it just ruins the experience for me.
0: I will both agree and disagree with you on that. I think the cool part about video games is that you can you can play them and you can be so interactive. So games where you get to make up your own story as you go, a la something like Minecraft, is awesome because you're just constantly playing. There's no cutscenes, and you don't have to get super involved with them. I guess the part I would disagree with is that when a video game does a cutscene-style video game, like a more cinematic, well it's really good but if they do it poorly it's it takes you out of it you're like skip 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 so for instance, last week, we briefly talked about how bad Halo Infinite was for its story. And that's a game that you're just like, I just want to go back to playing the game. I want to play the game. But if you play something like the God of War games, those are somewhere you are actually enjoying the break that you get from the cut scenes because the story is kind of engaging. And I know that it's personal preference, and I'm not saying that you mm-hmm. have to do it. I just think it's more about whether it's done right. And that right is a very difficult thing to assess, I think. I do enjoy games with cut scenes, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I don't yeah. know if I want to play a Mario game and just have a whole bunch of cutscenes of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and building on that, I really enjoy reading. But I, again, if I want to play a game, there's something specific I'm trying to get out of it. It's the that interactive play. And so I don't want to read walls of text. If I want to read a book, I would pick up a book. I'm trying to play a game. Let me play.
0: I think one thing books probably do really well that it doesn't translate into movies, TV, video games, anything else really is giving you texture and a sensory texture is kind of what I mean they can really describe things in ways that get your brain thinking and gets you imagining that perfect detail especially like sensory smells or unique noises or something where you get to put yourself inside that position but you can't necessarily get to those levels in video games or movies or anything like that especially on the smell aspect but in terms of sound if there's a very creepy weird sound you can imagine something totally different than somebody else in a book and it's all going to be personalized to you as long as they describe it in an entertaining
2: way. Well, that's the fun part about interpretation. Because
0: I I do believe when when an artist
2: has mastered their craft, they can leave a lot up to interpretation, which makes everything so much more interesting to me. Alongside a similar note, just like leaving it up to fate, I guess is the best way I can describe it. I really like art that uses elements that otherwise wouldn't be art to make art. So there is this artist that I recently came across of just like real briefly. Essentially, they would draw out someone swinging a baseball bat and then they would frame it and put it in a picture frame. And then they would take basically like a chisel and then a hammer and hammer it right where that person was swinging. And the crack came out, the crack of the glass came out of the bat swing and it just created this something like otherwise not be art. Like cracked glass is not art, but then they turned it into art. And I'm really enjoying visual art in that medium because you tell stories through the most outlandish ways. It's so much fun. It's like, how can I Really thinking
1: out of the box as far as- Your visual displays
2: so far out of the box.
0: And I love that. One of the things that always irks me, especially when people judge art, they go, oh, that's so easy. Like anybody could do it especially if it's like abstract art or something, you know, you're throwing buckets of paint against the wall or something. They, they judge it so harshly, but then they don't realize that most likely if you're a really well-developed artist, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what color paint, what textures you're going to throw, how you're going to do it, how you're going to place it out. And it's more of a long-term study. And you're also probably the first person to do that specific style that gets picked up. So just because it's easy to do doesn't mean you invented the technique for making it yeah i don't know i always get especially for just paintings and and any kind of uh drawing painting that sort of style when somebody creates a technique like you said with the baseball bat and the crack on the glass and it's like oh that is cool you think about it well that's really simple all they did was put down a baseball bat and then they did the crack and it's not that that's the art it's the coming up with the idea to me that that is the cool piece of art
2: well 100 percent. yeah it's that and they kind of also delving into more of visual art I was talking to some of my coworkers and this completely went over my head, but it makes total sense that there's like such thing as color theory, and I asked them to just to go more in depth with the idea of color theory. And it's so fascinating. I learned it's a little fun fact, but I learned that when two colors truly complement each other, they make a perfect gray when mixed. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And I guess like that's the idea behind a lot of painting. It's not the gray, but like the complement of colors and how they work so well together. That that's always gone way past me because I'm not I'm not a freaking visual artist whatsoever but it is it is so fascinating
0: missy do you remember Mm -hmm. there was a lady the the lady was very particular about selling this idea of matching different colors it was kind of like a i don't know
1: it's a company called color one yeah and it was based on matching taking the unique different aspects of your skin tone and your facial shape
2: oh and determining
1: the colors that the colors and pattern types that looked best on you. Yes. So that it complemented the way you looked instead of distracting.
0: Here's the only thing I have about that is that everybody that I saw that like tried to follow them, it seemed to just highlight the bad. And I don't know if that was just me, but it it never fully worked for me. In fact, I thought it was kind of like smoke and mirrors. I understand the concept behind it, Mm -hmm. but I think the execution was always like, Well, this is this is not quite there like you can't. I think part of the colors.
1: problem is is from a cultural aspect, right? Like the patterns that we like, the the colors that we use in combinations with each other and the intensities of them are constantly changing, right? Go into a bathroom or a kitchen that's 10 years old versus 20 versus 50. Like you're gonna see completely different colors and patterns. And I think part of the problem with not that company in specific, but all the different companies out there that do that color matching. Part of the problem is that they're still going off of the same old base material instead of updating it for cultural relevance. And so when you're getting your colors done and it's based off of 80s patterns and color options, but it's now the early 2000s, it, it looks not great. Because there's more to it yeah. than just what looks good on you.
0: I remember we were seeing those colors and it was like late 90s, early 2000s. And I, as a child, mm-hmm. thought that is a very late 80s style. Mm-hmm. Like that just yeah. screams old fashioned deep. and it yep. yeah, it doesn't keep up with time. So maybe it's, yes, uh, cultural and just the zeitgeist of the time in general
1: the colors themselves and, and the instructions for how to mix colors and prints and whatnot, it actually really did work. And so that the key was to take that information and apply it to updated prints and color schemes. And when you did that, suddenly made things work really, really well. But when you failed to do that, if you were constantly searching for those specific colors or those specific print t- print styles, it looked off because it was just outdated.
2: Using that idea that theory in in its full Mm -hmm. is such an interesting concept like that idea is is another art form within itself dressing people to match their skin tone so compliments Mm -hmm. them and not takes away from them like that i love that i still have i don't understand it fully and i don't think it's (laughs) something that i'll i'll ever truly understand but it is so fascinating and i love when people talk about it oh you're passionate about this this is cool
0: (laughs) I think you can kind of take that idea and expand it out a little bit further just beyond colors. There are definitely ways that you can do things. There are rules that you can use to make a product better. But whenever it becomes a norm or whenever trends change, all of a sudden it sticks out really bad if you're kind of not updating with it, unless it's a a masterful piece. One of the things that I could say, is: anybody ever seen some of Guy Ritchie's early movies like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch? Anything?
1: No. I've seen these movies with you. I remember zero about them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really remember too much about it. And some, for some reason, the other day, Aaron and I were talking, and I was, I was like, "What was that name of that movie?" And I think it was because of Jason Statham's like early acting career. So. I brought up Snatch as a movie, and we watched the trailer for it, and it's got some of the most late 90s, early 2000s camera <laughs> movements I've ever seen, like <laughs> where, where instead of just zooming uh, in, it does like do a high-speed quick zoom in, and it turns Boom. to the side, you know, and you're just like, oh, yep. my, whoa. And just watching it, I knew it was a product of its time. But I bet back then, you know, he was probably following rules, probably breaking them a little bit and going, how can we make something more action heavy? Shaky cam is a fantastic Mm -hmm. example of a really bad rule to use in action movies, in my opinion, because it makes it more intense. But since it's so overdone. You just start to feel like it's a really cheap technique to add that.
1: There's nothing unique about it. Yeah. There's nothing artistic about it, or at least it doesn't feel like it.
2: I feel like I understand the reasoning behind it, but part of cinematography when a camera operator is running with the camera, running with people... And I feel like it's the purpose of a shot like that is to, for you to have a feel like you're running with the actors, but it never feels like that. It just feels like sloppy camera work to me. And maybe I'm out of my depth saying that, but it just, I've never, ever felt like I'm with characters in those moments. I just feel like that's a terrible shot to look at.
0: (laughs) Kind of going with the original thing I wanted to discuss, the... Think movies give you a really great, you know, first person perspective in general. Maybe not first person, third person, but it gives you a perspective of somebody that's looking at whatever's going on. And if somebody's running alongside somebody else, then it makes you kind of feel like you're in the action with them. I can get it. It's fine. I absolutely hate when video games do that. If you're in a first-person view and you're locked into a cutscene and like you're falling down and stumbling, and the camera's rolling all over the place, or you get like punched and knocked back and you see the sky. I cannot stand first person camera cut scenes in video games at all, because I'm like, well, I don't really know what's going on. It's all shaky. It's making me nauseous. Let me just get back up and play. So I think movies are a little bit better at doing that first person style action.
2: Can you elaborate on the original question you had? Because it kind of just sounded, or at least how I interpreted it. Was it uh, like a question? How like, what do different art mediums do better than their counterparts? Or
0: is it like, yeah, I don't have actually a question. I had a, a more of just a weird a idea, topic. idea, a topic idea of, of like some things work really well in their independent mediums and other things work well across mediums. And the reason why I was thinking about that was specifically The Last of Us. The TV show is working really well as a TV show. It also works well as a video game. Now there's elements of the video game that they don't put in the TV show. Obviously, you don't want to watch somebody upgrade their weapon for a half hour or go looking for you know ammo or something it's not that interesting but the video game was able to be translated into a TV show is because it had such a strong story basis. So that strong story was the interlink between a video game and a TV show. Whereas some mediums for artistic expression don't have that sort of interlink or they really excel at one specific position that the other ones can't. So it's either going to stand alone or be able to cross platforms. And I guess I was trying to think of which examples of ones that either stand alone really well or cross-platforms really well. I've got one. Okay.
1: You've got a really incredible medium of color and creativity where you build things, right? And then you have another medium of just epic, original sci-fi. And you bring those two things together and you get Star Wars Legos video game. (laughs) It's like three <laughs> mediums coming together to form you know just what? the perfect holy yeah. trinity of entertainment, and I am there for it. Every single time they make a new version of it, I will be first in line buying that crap, even though I've already played it, and it's the same thing over and over again. You know- I
2: love it. That actually brings up a really good point, like specifically, here we are talking about Star Wars, but the <laughs> the new Star Wars Legos game, the, the Skywalker Saga- is i feel like one of the best examples of an unbelievable amount of mediums crossing over to create something fantastic. There's so much. There's there's storytelling. There's actual art. There's coding. There's Legos itself. I feel like Legos have evolved into their own art medium now. Mm-hmm. There's voice acting, sound design, and there's comedy. There's a lot of comedy in it. And I feel like comedy almost always fails in video games. Intentional comedy, that is. I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of comedic value I get out of video games is from glitches or you know killing a teammate or something like that like being stupid with your friends but the skywalker saga manages to bridge over all of these things and also be extremely family friendly Uh, you're 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 so right missy with the uh, the idea yeah (laughs) there's so many mediums coming together and it creates
0: so much fun
1: so perfect toys games movies yeah
0: Yeah, I I watched an interesting video from the Escapist, which is a internet magazine. And uh, it was recently came out and it was all about quippy comedy and video games. And how quippiness is kind of ruining the comedy aspect. I would recommend people to go watch it because it was was quite interesting. Specifically, Yahtzee, the the narrator for the video, was mentioning that it was kind of a Joss Whedon-centered idea of comedy that has come into all movies. And he pointed out Marvel movies of like, Mm. they all do this now. Where instead of like letting something be serious, they're, they're always like a character has to comment something like, well, that just happened. And, you know, it's really uh, not funny. It's there's no joke in that. It dumbs it down. It it's supposed to be funny, but there's no stylized uh, comedy. But. The thing I do like about the Lego games and the Star Wars Lego games have had this from the very beginning is their ridiculous, stupid jokes. You know, a lot of small, like toy based slapstick, funny things that are always just there and present, but not overwhelming. You still understand what's happening.
2: It's a lot of air quotes, physical comedy within the realm of Legos. Yeah, and they they just do it so well comedy is one of those things where I feel like it's a slippery slope in all mediums like regardless of what you're trying to put it into and that game specifically nails it it's so so dumb it's so dumb but it's so funny it's so
1: simple and it carries sometimes it's not even just carrying humor but sometimes it has a functionality to it as well like Mm -hmm. think about when you get injured right when you get hit right you've got four hearts you lose all four and you know your character dies well you you get one hit and you might be jumping around on one foot yeah uh another hit and like you lose an arm and it's hilarious but it also shows the function of oh hey i've taken damage without your eyes having to necessarily scroll and look at your hearts and see where you're at which is it's very clever and it's a subtle thing but it's it's just so well done, not to mention the fact that it is really funny to, to watch the characters jumping around.
0: I think you probably just pointed out something that every game designer that implemented that system is like, thank you for noticing. Thank you. It's it's probably it's so good. Yeah, it's very difficult to get multiple things to show up at once or to get people to pay attention. You know, a lot of times sounds are used as cues to let you know whatever is going on in a video game. And they probably had to go through multiple iterations of creating that game to figure out a sound that people would be like, oh, I've got to look that way or lighting or something. And that right alone is a system that lets you know okay i'm damaged without you having to look directly at your user interface
2: that was a really good example like the more i think about it it's just so good
0: how about choose your own adventure books yes branching narratives
1: i love them
0: so it's something that video games do okay in some aspects some aspects they don't but a lot of like rpgs you can do branching narratives you can also do a branching narrative in a book by doing a choose your own adventure. If never, if nobody's ever read a choose your own adventure book, just go, it's fun. They're so know. much fun. Yeah, you'll you'll cheat at it eventually, be like, no, that's stupid. I, I want a different, you know?
1: <laughs> you just, you wind up putting your finger in between a lot of different pages. You got like all your fingers <laughs> in the book, flipping back and forth. No, I think with a video game though, Mike, a lot of times, even if the story itself is technically linear, you have a lot of different options to get from point A to point B. And so, in a way, it is a choose your own adventure. And a lot of choose your own adventure books at least the adult ones are, are kind of like that too where you can take different paths and you can be different characters or have different focuses but the goal all gets you even though you're taking different routes to the same we'll say checkpoints along the way.
0: I think one medium that did not do it well and I admit that I've never watched it and that's a spoiler is Netflix I believe did a choose your own adventure TV show and I think it got
1: yeah. ranked oh. pretty
0: bad. I had no desire to actually see it. It's a cool concept I though. I think that would make more sense on a platform almost like YouTube, where you could do shorter. Pieces. I don't know. You've seen it. So tell us about it. How was I've it? I've
1: done both. I've done the Netflix one, and I've done several of them on YouTube. The I would say YouTube works better because when you're doing it the way it works on YouTube, right? You watch a video, and then some text pops up and it makes you make a choice, and your choice is clicking on video A or video B, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're taken, depending upon what you're choosing, along different videos, and eventually it ends. With YouTube, you can you know, bookmark all the different options and go back and restart at whatever point you want. But with the Netflix one, I believe it was called Bandersnatch. A really good story, by the way. It, it was a really good one. But Was this a Black Mirror? Yeah, it was a Black Mirror one. It was a little two-dimensional, boxy, maybe. It, it just didn't quite captivate me. Even though it was a good story, it didn't hold my attention as well as the story itself should have. Because as you're choosing things, it's kind of very abrupt, Right. Like the music doesn't really cue you well and uh. the visuals don't slide you into that change. It just abruptly is like, Oh right, do you wanna do this, or do you wanna do that? And then you if you die, you have to start the whole process back over and remember where you left off. To make a different choice the next time so it was a really interesting concept and they had great actors you know but it just didn't quite work for the netflix medium whereas youtube while still kind of okay it it just worked better the way that youtube is designed because it's a separate video every single time
0: Oh, okay, I see. Amy did mention, like, Clue the movie is almost like a branching narrative, because it has different endings. Yeah. I'll I'll mention this real quick, because I I don't know if I actually heard it as an official rumor or not, and I can't find anything on it. So Clue has three different endings, and I, I wanted to say that originally they shipped the movie with three different endings so when you went to the theater you got to see one of the three and then when they brought it in later on they put all the endings together and so that's kind of cool like you you all go to a movie and be like, "Who, really cool. who is the murderer i don't know if that's true or not it probably isn't it seems like it's not but whatever but i just thought of something that was interesting about branching narratives the reason why i don't go back and play a lot of video games or what reason why i wouldn't want to like go back and watch bandersnatch from the beginning again after getting a bad ending quote unquote because i don't want to start the beginning over and over and over again and it'd be a really cool concept is if not only you could have branching endings but also branching beginnings start at a couple different points get to a central location and then have your big choices kind of matter out from there maybe follow Mm. a different character from a beginning so this way you can really start from all these different places and then arrive at something and expand back out as opposed to just starting in this very narrow spot and then going out.
2: And I will say, given how much, how bad it is and how good, it whatever, how your feelings about it, Cyberpunk did do exactly that, which was... You could start in three different three different origins and then they would legitimately come together. They would all meet at a singular point and then they would branch out back forth from there. And then you had different dialogue options based on which origin you choose. And that was super interesting, something that I was really excited for because I agree with you in choose your own adventures. The dread of doing one of those is always starting at the that tunneling point. But being able to start somewhere completely different and still get to experience some of the story points, but also have something new is really fun.
1: So I actually had an idea for a choose your own adventure story that I very, very briefly started working on, but was just never able to dedicate the time to it, where the book actually had six different characters in it. And you could start as any of the characters, and each character had, you know, kind of unique traits. Think like D and D, right? They they each have a certain aspect that will be useful in the story, and you eventually come together. But depending upon which character you are, you might branch off with some of the characters at one point, and then meet back up and meet with other characters, and mm. and so all the different stories are kind of woven into the the book all together and so you could have just a ton of different ways that you could read the story and and navigate through the story so it wasn't just a choose your own adventure it was also a choose your own character kind of aspect
0: yeah yeah if, yeah, if that's cool if anybody out there knows of uh, of a book or something like that already it's not a video game send it our way when yeah. i productions on twitter or website when i'll seriously though i would love to to see that thinking about the cyberpunk example and what you would probably write having a bunch of different characters would make me more interested in going through that multiple playthroughs read throughs watch throughs whatever if i could get a more expanded version of the world where my choices Mm -hmm. actually kind of mattered but that's that's gotta be some of the hardest writing that you can do oh
2: yeah so hard yeah
0: there is a musical video game that's supposed to be coming out kind of soon oh, yeah. and it has a branching yeah. narratives but it also has branching music and composed by austin wintry who is uh, part of the play watch listen podcast and he said that there might be like a one in a thousand chance of getting a specific musical cue but he decided he wanted to to make different musical cues for each of those decisions that you do mm. which you know might not be huge maybe it's like a flute is added to it or something but I love that idea of creating such an in-depth, expansive, your choices actually matter sort of thing, as opposed to just, you know, like.
2: It's the idea that all those art mediums are coming together to tell the same story. If they're also trying to tell the same branching story, that right there is uh, incredible feat yeah
0: <laughs> and i can't imagine what they've gone through to do it yeah it's uh, it's interesting i was replaying the witcher 3 recently and i never played one or two or i played them briefly and i was like i don't understand this and one of the things that they say right in the beginning is do you want to simulate a save from witcher true too so you can take your actions from that and move it in there and the first time i did it i was like okay sure and i had no idea what that meant but i got to choose some things and apparently it affected gameplay some small areas well while going through this time i realized oh those choices don't really affect your gameplay that much at least not the choices i made the first time and kind of annoys me when you have that idea of choosing or your your choices really matter but then the next game it's like well your choices from before never really mattered because now it's all going into this you know tiny little it's like there is
2: one canonical ending and we're moving on with the next yeah did the the mass effect games do that
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest effect that you had, and I could be wrong, is at the end of two, you can really mess up and a bunch of characters can die. Like half of the main characters in the game. And then I think in three, they're dead, but they kind of replace them with other characters that are similar. It's been a long time. I know Mass Effect three was like all of your choices, all up to this point. You're like, yeah. And then originally, the ending was just three different color backgrounds, it was the same Mm -hmm. ending. And the only difference between it was like a uh, green, red, and blue for your background. And people were furious. Cause, like, <laughs> you just spent three games selling, telling us our choices mattered. And we now all have the same ending. So it's tough yeah. to do i you know i totally get how writers can be super frustrated trying to come up with it because it's, it's hard enough to make a story that makes sense without having choices and to make it like okay yeah this character has growth and development and they change over time and oh here's some you know cool plot devices and here's an interesting twist and then you have to do that for a thousand choices like i i don't i don't know how really, oh, Yeah, writers are, are good i'm not
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I think we'll, we'll only see it get better over time too, which is the crazy thing. Like it's, I could not comprehend the work they have to do, but I imagine a decade from now that comprehension is going to be blown out the parks. Like what, what are you even doing now? That's, that's the fun thing of just about art and mediums in general is the more they evolve, how do I word this better? Things you didn't think should exist or would have ever existed and be considered good art, quote unquote, like 10 years from now will be considered good art. They will be doing it well. They will be taking these weird mediums
0: and mixing and mashing them.
2: And it's so much fun. Yeah. That's the fun fluidity about Art in general
0: (laughs) i think i'm most excited for video games in that aspect because they are still i think in their their infantile stages of what is Uh possible when you kind of look at movies although the way cinematography is done the screenwriting the overall package might be different especially if you go back and watch an older movie it's the same thing you're still watching something whereas video games do have that ability to tell stories in such a different and in-depth way even if it's not through the, an actual cutscene or anything if it's through the story itself so I'm, I'm more excited by that but when missy releases her choose your own adventure book with six different <laughs> characters then i will gladly
1: one day in
0: the future so there is a very touchy subject right now that we'll probably bring up because we've talked about it on the show plenty of times that is true yeah and you know i guess we're gonna get canceled maybe i don't know we could talk about Harry Potter because it, it does cross a bunch of different mediums. It, it's books, it's TV, it's now video games with Hogwarts Legacy, which is getting a lot of great reviews. You know, the, I, there's definitely some controversy around it. Specifically, it's being boycotted because of J.K. Rowling's personal views. And I understand the idea of boycotting, especially something that you don't believe in. I don't think that the boycotts are necessarily, from my perspective, and this is only my perspective, so I don't think they're necessarily founded in the right way, maybe. J.K. Rowling gets money from so many sources, and then we need to boycott all of that if we don't believe in her views, but she did not really have a lot to do with this game, although she is making money off of it because she owns the rights to Harry Potter. I think that It's tough that an entire studio full of people made a game. They're obviously very passionate about the universe that it came from. A lot of people are enjoying Mm -hmm. it. And we have to all of a sudden say, nope, this product is dead in the water because of the person who originated that idea. It's almost like if everybody found out right now that George Lucas is a massive racist. And I'm not saying he is, obviously, this is just an example. If they found out he was just like a terrible person, does that mean that all Star Wars should be dead from now on when it's not in his hands anymore? He created it with the help of so many other people. But yeah. I don't know. It's I, I'm not saying that protesting is like unfounded or anything. I just think that this is the wrong way to protest is to say that this game is the cause of people being transphobic.
1: I think that the reason why the game is specifically being targeted is because it happened to be the next thing being released in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. after yes. people right. realized how transphobic and and the just terrible comments that she had made so they picked the next thing and it's a video game right like whether she was involved or not her name is forever attached to that franchise so that's why it's being targeted whether it's effective or it works or whatever you know i i don't have the answer for that. Yeah, it's but it's, that's it's I think is why
0: she, if anything, what the protests are doing are bringing up the idea that the, these are her yeah. views, and I think that that is the effective part of it. But I think the ineffective part is that a lot of people that don't understand why are then going to go, "Well, you people are idiots for protesting this." And that's not what I think. Like, if you're going to be passionate, that's fine. But, you know, I've, I've, I've read so many posts with people saying like, oh, I'll just pirate the game instead. And I go, wait a second. So you still are going to support the media by playing it because you enjoy it. But then you are saying that this media is, you know, further supporting her. I don't know. I just I, I want I want to understand what the end goal of protesting Harry Potter content is as opposed to the creator of it.
1: I think Most of the time, you know, when you have someone in her kind of position, the only thing they understand is money, like Mm. you can scream at the universe all you want about it. But in order to do anything to them, you have to hit them where it hurts, which is the wallet, right? So by attempting to boycott, they're attempting to affect her financially. Whether or not I think it'll actually be effective, I I don't think so. But it at least is... They're trying to do something because it's really the only thing they can do. I just... Ultimately, companies who engage with authors or owners of intellectual property need to start putting morality clauses into into their contracts, and they need to be specific about If this comes out that you're doing this, this, that, or the other, you lose all of your royalties moving forward. Yeah. I think that's really the only way you're going to affect any change with with the artists or the the IP owners Mm. because protesting... Yeah, it might hurt that person who a little bit like it might take away a little bit of money from them. But ultimately, they've already made a fortune. So it's really not going to do much. What it will do is hurt the income of all the people who worked on that project. Mm -hmm. Those are the real people getting hurt.
0: I think especially when you're at like J.K. Rowling level, it's if you protest oh, yeah it's never gonna affect her financially she has mm-hmm. over a billion dollars yeah like exactly. it's it's yeah. probably the mo- the least effective way of hurting her personally what it does do is it if you do protest a company like Warner Brothers games might say mm-hmm. like oh no we can't support anybody that's like this and they'll know in the future like okay we don't want to support them which I believe is what they've done multiple times it said like she did she was not directly involved in this project at all Because they are clearly saying like, okay, we understand what the protests are about. We understand, we don't agree, and we try and move on. Amy pointed out that J.K. Rowling does make more money from Universal ticket sales at their theme parks than than this game in general. Every every single time that you purchase a ticket to Universal theme park, whether you go to the Harry Potter Wizarding World in there or not, she gets a percentage of that. That might be a small percentage, but it's going to be like the same thing with this game. And there there has to be a level when our protests match. I understand the idea behind people protesting Chick fil A because of where their money goes, in particular. But then screaming at everybody else, like, you have to protest with me and here's why, is not an effective tool to transmit your message of acceptance in fact it seems like it does the opposite drives more people towards like a well i don't care about your views you're just being an idiot i'm not saying that you are by any means because i can totally understand especially if somebody says something very hateful but yeah i don't know it's a it's a really it's a weird situation i wish we weren't in this i wish people could just enjoy the video game
2: yeah again it all comes i mean this one doesn't even because we've already talked about come close i really feel like to the artist versus art because she didn't have a direct other than she created the original world everyone else created the game mm-hmm. and you can support the game or not i do feel like to bring it back it does that franchise crowd crosses pretty well between books movies and video games
1: Not to mention, there's a theme park. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Interactive. Yeah, toys. Oh,
2: for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It does have like a a catch all, which is the idea of magic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like the idea of magic can be applied very well, and you can manipulate that idea to work with whatever
0: medium you want. It's one of those things that has become bigger than the creator. There's a point when you make a piece of art in general where it is no longer yours, regardless of whether you started or not. And I think Mm -hmm. that when you can look at uh, the Mona Lisa, right? Leonardo da Vinci created it, but it is no longer his painting. That is a point of pride for so many people in the art world in general. And it's it's, it's no longer yours at some point specific point star wars is no longer george lucas's even though i you know he was a part of creating it but he wasn't the full thing the big media franchises that that you would normally see are just once it gets to a certain point i think that you need to realize it's bigger than that small thing regardless of whether or not they still gain from finances the bean in chicago
1: didn't they just build one in new york and chicago's all mad at them
2: are they stealing beans? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Can
1: I just okay? I'm about to say something controversial.
2: That's fine. I think we just had a a segment that's. <laughs> I love that statement, but anyways, continue.
1: So, trigger alert! If you're from Chicago, just just tune out. What the hell's up with the dumb bean? I don't get it. It's stupid. It's a giant metal reflective bean. Why? What are you doing? Stop it!
0: I don't know what's going on, but now I am. I, there's looking. a. There's a. A, a oh. bean mirror, the cloud gate. Now, this is art. Oh my goodness. Bean in Chicago. Everyone calls I mean, it the bean.
1: Chicago beam has some of <laughs> the <laughs> most amazing architecture. And then they go and ruin, like, that square block with that just big with dumb bean. I don't get i <laughs> driven past it. I don't get it.
2: Uh, I Well, I also think that just leads into, like, the subjective nat- nature of art like art is so (laughs) it it isn't to a lot of people and it is to a lot and that's like the beauty because i'm just like that's just a bean mirror like that's all that i'm
0: looking at it's
1: all it is it's metal shaped like a big giant bean and it's reflective
0: yeah but come on guys he was the first one that did it he came up with the idea it's the art not the execution or is it both i don't know that's a whole or you know what
2: it's it's a macaroni.
0: It kind of looks like no. a piece of the T-1000 fell off when he was <laughs> near yes. the liquid
1: yes, it does.
0: <laughs> metal stuff. That is a big T-1000. <laughs> I am scared. No one likes him because he tries to patent the blackest bean okay. so that no yeah. one could use that color. And the art world was like... Screw you, dude! Your art is a b. Sorry, Amy is texting us between the football plays or whatever she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good.
1: I feel like this is kind of falling apart.
0: It's fine. It always. This is the chaos part. We got the creativity out of the way, and now we can just ramble <laughs> for twenty minutes. Amy's gonna edit out a bunch of what we said anyway because it's all junk.
2: Interestingly enough, I actually just got finished with The Legend of Fox Machina, and that
0: has been an
2: interesting cross of its source material to an actual visual medium. It's, it's a critical role show, so it starts off as like a D&D campaign. And they took their D&D campaign and they made it into an animation, like a American anime, essentially. And it baffles me how well that crosses over. There's a lot, like almost every single action a character has made or really like said is put in and is the source material is used beat for beat sometimes. And it's crazy how something like that crosses over so well to animation.
0: What are y'all looking forward to this week? This is a new segment called Looking Ahead with Mike.
1: I'm looking forward to Saturday morning when I can sleep in.
0: Is that going to be like your official
2: day of you're not working anymore next Saturday?
1: No, but I have told them I'm sleeping in on the weekends and I'm not working until after I get up and do food. I'm already counting down. I have five more sleeps till Friday. <laughs> and then I get to s- go to bed and just sleep.
0: Amy says she's looking forward to reporting the big game to us, telling us what happened.
1: So now, Amy, important questions. Okay, don't get this wrong. Who are you rooting for?
0: Amy, speak up if I'm wrong. Is it the Panthers can... <laughs>
1: or the Red Sox? <laughs> a look at her <laughs> face. The Red
2: Sox. <laughs>
0: Yeah, thank you, Missy. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant, Tommy. That was brilliant. Why are more sports teams think of...
0: named after fruits? That's a really good I would root like... for the team called the bananas. Danny mm. just typed that. Anyway, I guess that about wraps it up this week because we're Well, I'm still trying to figure out I'm still, trying
2: to, I'm still trying to figure out what I want, what I'm looking forward to this next week. Okay. okay. So y'all oh, have right, to stay right, here for the next the, thirty minutes. Next thirty minutes. Thank you. Can so, this just be silent <laughs> in post?
0: Missy this week is looking forward to a uh, Saturday morning. Over. Yeah, I am looking forward <laughs> to Thursday. Because on Thursday, I won't have anything due for a whole six days. <gasps> I know. Yay! No more schoolwork for six days. So I can procrastinate for five and a half of them.
2: Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to getting more donuts at Milk Bread.
1: What? What's a Milk Bread?
2: It's a donut shop. It's not actually a donut shop. They do a lot of other stuff, but. They do some pretty damn good donuts.
0: And Amy is looking forward to chicken nuggets. I swear that's what she typed. Anyway, y'all, it's been great. It's been a fun podcast. If you like what you heard, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, uh, whatever. You know, we're probably there. One L two N Productions. That is number letter number letter productions. If you really, really like the show and you want to support what we do, Patreon, it's great. If you give us money, we will keep making this quality content. And if, oh yeah. Yeah, and we can make more of it too, maybe. Was that it? Was that all I had to say? Was that it? It's like reach oh, out to God. us here. We had a really good time, that's it. Anyway, we're gonna roll for what we call the final word of the day. If y'all have not worked to, or listened to, with... To, <clears throat> we're gonna roll for what we call roll. the final <laughs> word of the day. <laughs> It's a number three, and guess who it is? Me! Because Amy Wadley. Yeah, that's that's very rigged. Totally rigged. Yeah. If I've <laughs> no, I've never heard of something more anyway, rigged. It is my final words everybody. Shut up. I got mad respect for Amy right now because she is super sick with all of the food she's stuffing in her face while watching football and not being with us.